So many of our songs this morning have been typical songs that you would sing at a funeral. Um, and part of the reason for that is, is we're reaching a part of Scripture where Jesus speaks out a lament. Um, and we're going to see this in our Scripture reading. Our Scripture reading today is Matthew 23, verses 33 through 39. Uh, you can find that in your pew Bibles on page 1537. It's a, actually the last verse on 1537, so you'll be flipping the page quite quick if you go there. Matthew 23, verses 33 through 39. You snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Therefore, I am sending you prophets and wise men and teachers. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. And so upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. I tell you the truth. All this will come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Thus ends our reading of God's purifying word. May all who hear it find that their house is not left to them desolate. Well, we've reached the end of Jesus' last public sermon. Any preaching that he would give after this moment would be done privately to his disciples. Think about that for a moment. These are Christ's parting words to the masses. This was the, the message that he wanted to leave them with. A warning of condemnation, of judgment. But why? Why this message? The truth of the matter is that Christ knew he knows the hearts of men. He knew that they had not fully embraced him as the Messiah. That though they had cried out Hosanna on Sunday, they would be shouting crucify on Friday. For they had not truly listened to his message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And this is why we see this dire, dire warning of coming judgment. Now, if you recall, Jesus had started this sermon of his with scathing remarks about the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. And he began by in, instructing his followers to be wary of these false teachers. For they do what they do in order to be seen by men. They had no intention of being a part of God's kingdom. Rather, they desired 
their own kingdom. And then last week we, we saw Jesus address these false teachers directly as he pronounced seven woes upon them. These condemning words of our Lord highlighted the fact that, that these blind guys had missed the thrust of God's word. And in so doing, they had also missed the Messiah, even when he was standing right before them. They were a cursed lot, filling up the measure of the sin of their forefathers. And now today, Jesus will pronounce upon them his verdict. Because of their rejection of him, they now stood under the judgment seat of Christ. Look at our first verse. You snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? You snakes, you brood of vipers. We saw these same words early on in Matthew's gospel, do we not? Only there it was John the Baptist who spoke them. Look at, look at Matthew 3, verses 7 and 8. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. John had called them a brood of vipers because they refused to repent. And now we see Jesus repeating John's words to these same men, reminding them that they had been warned years, years prior. And that because of their refusal to listen, a refusal to recognize the prophet of God, and more importantly, God's Messiah, because of this, a judgment had been declared. How will you escape being condemned to hell? These men truly were filling up the measure of their forefathers. Hell is a place we try hard not to think about. Am I right? For it's a place that is outside of the kingdom. It is a place that is lonely, a place that is desolate, a place where the wrath of God is poured out for all eternity. In the book of Revelation, it's described as a lake of burning sulfur where there will be torment day and night forever and ever. It is the second death. And those who go there are without hope. This, this is a judgment for those who reject Jesus. And right now, right in this moment, Christ wants us to dwell upon that thought. I imagine that each and every one of you knows at least one person whom you love that has rejected Jesus. And that's why we don't like to think about hell. Because it hurts to think about. It causes us sorrow. It causes us pain and grief. And I get it. 
But might I suggest that in our avoidance of this issue, we do the ones we love a disservice. For when we become numb to God's judgment, we can fool ourselves into thinking that, that nothing is wrong. And that such a horrible fate is not awaiting those we love. And thus any motivation that we might have to speak truth to the matter is then stolen from us. We miss opportunities to share Christ with those who are closest to our hearts. Dear friends, Jesus did not shy away from the reality of hell. No. He was warning these men of their dire, dire fate. And not because it brought him some some type of sick pleasure. No. But because he had compassion for their lost state. This is what we read about in our first scripture reading. Look, Look at Ezekiel 18, verse 30. Therefore, O house of Israel, I will judge you, each one according to his ways, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent! Turn away from all your offenses. Then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent and live. Jesus takes no pleasure in judging the wicked. And yet he doesn't avoid it either. He warned these men while there was still time because he loved them. I mean, look at the next verse. Look at verse 34. Therefore, I am sending you prophets and wise men and teachers. We read about these prophets and these wise men and these teachers in the book of Acts, do we not? There was a whole generation of men, beginning with the apostles, who became witnesses, not only to the Pharisees, but to all their Jewish brothers, and eventually to the whole world. Jesus sent them to testify because he takes no pleasure in the death of anyone. He has compassion for their lost state. But sadly, even then, we we find that the majority of these men would still refuse to repent. Look Look at the rest of verse 34. What does it say? Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. And so upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Jesus knew their hearts. And he knew that they were no different from their forefathers. He he predicted that they would commit these heinous acts as they persecuted his church. After all, if they were willing to crucify him, then they would not hesitate to crucify his followers as well. And thus upon them would come all the righteous blood that has been shed on earth. 
Jesus uses two examples in this judgment. The blood of Abel, who was the first recorded martyr in the Old Testament, really the first martyr there ever was. And the blood of Zechariah, who is the last recorded martyr in the Old Testament. And it was in this that Christ was emphasizing what he had already told them. That they would fill up the measure of the sin of their forefathers. But it wasn't just these men. It was not just the Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law. No. For it is in our next verse where we see Jesus broadening out his judgment. Look at, look at verse 36. I tell you the truth. All this will come upon this generation. All this will come upon this generation. This word generation is the Greek word genea. And it stands for a, a group of people living at a given time. And given the context of this passage, we know that Jesus was talking about the Jewish people, particularly those who were living in Jerusalem. We'll see that in the next verse. You, you, you see, in, in many ways, these religious leaders, they represented the Jewish people as a whole. For the majority were following their lead. This is why we see such a drastic change from Palm Sunday to Good Friday. From the crowds crying out, Hosanna to the Son of David, to them shouting, Crucify! Crucify! For despite Jesus' warning, the people did not abandon their leaders. Rather, they, they followed them to their wicked end as they put to death the Lord of life. Thus, they too were included in this, in this blood guilt. And that's why we see the lament that follows. Look at, look at verses 37 through 39. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It is here. It is in these words that we see that those seven woes that Jesus gave, though they were woes of condemnation, they were also tinged with compassion. A cry of alas. Jesus takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, for they are his children, and he loves them. And though they have killed the prophets and stoned those who were sent to them, Christ, he would be patient with them, desiring that they would turn from their sinful ways and, and embrace him as their Messiah. But sadly, as Jesus already knew, they would be unwilling. And that is why their house is left to them desolate. Desolate. 
This house that Jesus refers to is none other than the temple. The very place from which he preached this message. The place where King Solomon had witnessed the glory of the Lord enter the Holy of Holies. The place where God had dwelt with his people for generation after generation. And now, God had taken upon human flesh and was standing right among them in that temple. But they did not recognize him. Thus, Jesus would abandon his house, leaving it empty and unprotected. It would be that generation who would witness the destruction of the temple as Christ's judgment would fall upon Jerusalem. Not one stone would be left upon another. The whole thing would be torn down. But not until he would give them time to repent. You see, from the, from the time of the crucifixion of Jesus until the time of the temple's fall would be a span of roughly 37 years. A, a generation for Christ to establish his church and to fully witness to the Jewish people. And the good news is that, is that many would come to Christ. I mean, think of the day of Pentecost when, when roughly 3,000 were added to their number. Or think of the Apostle Paul a man who was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and how Christ had humbled him and molded him as his chosen instrument to carry the name of Jesus to the Gentile world. It is because of Christ's patience and his compassion that he, he stayed his judging hand, allowing the salvation for so many this is exactly what the Apostle Paul expressed in Roman, Romans 11. Look at Romans 11, verses 1 through 5. I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an, Israel, I am an Israelite myself, a, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he appealed to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left and they are trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So, too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. It is out of Christ's love for his people that he stayed his hand, desiring that as many as possible would enter in to that grace. But unfortunately, many more did not repent. They refused to listen to the truth. And so Christ removed that city on a hill along with its temple. He sent his Roman soldiers in 70 AD to tear it to the ground. And this is what we'll read about in, when we get to chapter 24. 
Is Christ patient? Yes, he is. Is Christ compassionate? Yes, he is. But that patience and that compassion eventually has to come to an end. And his judgment will come for those who refuse to repent. That generation would find their house desolate. It would be empty and unprotected. Ultimately, it would be destroyed. Dear friends, if you are here today and you have rejected Jesus, if you have yet to turn from your sins and and to trust in the forgiveness that comes from the cross of Christ, then let this message be a warning to you as well. Repent while there is still time. Understand the compassion of your Lord and how patient he is with you. That even though you stand condemned, Christ is offering you time. Time to turn to him. He is showing you his mercy. And if you are here today and and you have already become a Christian, if if you have repentant faith in Jesus, if you see him as your Lord and Savior, then let this same warning motivate you to be the prophets, to be the wise men, and to be the, the, the teachers that are sent out to an unbelieving world. May Christ's compassion and his patience be seen in you as you proclaim the good news to a dying generation. May you say to them that their house does not have to remain desolate, For Jesus died for their sins, and he rose from the dead, bringing victory to every person who trusts in him. And just as Jesus promised, he will return to those who say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. How patient and how compassionate is our Savior. For he gives a condemned people time to repent. Let us pray. Father, we are in awe of both your patience and your compassion. You didn't have to show either of those things, and yet out of your great kindness, you've demonstrated both, not only to the people back then, but even today. May your words of warning move in our hearts. May they stir up our faith. May your Holy Spirit convict us that we might be repentant and turn to your Son and find deliverance. And may we be motivated as your people to warn others as we spread your good news to those around us, to this dying generation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.